Hello, everyone. This is Karen Hunt, a.k.a. K.H. Majek, coming to you live on a Thursday evening from Los Angeles. When will I ever make it back to Arizona? Mm, maybe in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, I will be back to the desert, which I love so much. I'm coming to you with a bit of a heavy heart today. One more young person that I know from the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles has died. And we don't know the details yet, but um, the overall reason is fentanyl. And I really need to write a piece about this. You know that I write a lot against uh, this horrific drug culture that we have. Doesn't matter whether it's street drugs or government sanctioned drugs. These drugs are meant to destroy, to addict, to imprison our young people. And that's what it's doing. And I have seen too much of this in my life, uh, working with youth um, in juvenile halls, in, in uh, rehab facilities, uh, doing my creative writing program. And even raising my own children on the, as I say, on the mean streets of LA suburbia, I've seen the horror and the devastation that this brings on our young people. And I fight against this to my last breath every day. So I wanted to share with you uh, one of my essays, which deals again with this drug culture that somehow the American people have come to embrace as somehow that this culture of drugs, instead of living a life of health and being the best that you can be, you know, your body is a temple. And to do your best with that body that you have been given and your mind, that we instead have been... Uh, have been targeted or told or propagandized to believe that we should take drugs instead of relying on our God-given abilities to just be healthy, to live a healthy life. So anyway, this essay is called The Victimization of Dr. Fauci and the Resurrection of HIV. Very, very meaningful now when we see, I don't know what the connection is quite yet, but there is a connection between HIV, we can see it, and, um, and this monkeypox, and the demonization again of, that we're seeing of gays is very reminiscent of what we saw in the past with, with, um, with HIV. So listen to this essay and you'll see why I say that. Nobody's so gullible as scientists. They think they know, you see. That's always dangerous. And that's from Agatha Christie, Destination Unknown. I love Agatha Christie. I've read all of her books like more than five times, each one, because she's, she's so on point with her characters and uh, so much truth in what she writes. Poor Dr. Fauci. He is the victim of liars, scammers, and jealous rivals who wish to destroy his reputation and his career when all he is doing is humbly and selflessly trying to save the world. And he has saved the world. He has. Vaccine and mask mandates are being dropped. Even that most rigid of communist propagandists, Dr. Liana Wen, now tells us that the science has changed. What, again? 
and she supports lifting some pandemic restrictions, and that the decision to wear a mask should shift from a government mandate to an individual choice. Wow, did we just hear the words individual choice dropped from Wen's mouth? The science can change. That's the beauty of it. It can change at any time. The key, of course, is in who interprets the changing science for us. And that person is Dr. Anthony Fauci. What has not changed during this interlude of falsified freedom is the government's ability to do this again and again. This bowing down to the will of those above us has been normalized. Anytime Fauci deems it necessary for our own good, he can change the science. After all, he is the world's number one infectious disease expert. For almost three years, this phrase has been repeated over and over until it is ingrained in our minds. Diminutive, bespeckled Tony, the guy with a feisty New York accent, has risen from a behind-the-scenes manipulator to become the most influential and listened-to health expert in history. Thanks to his overarching influence, the power of pharmaceutical companies has risen with him. Pfizer heads them all, having raked in a whopping $36,800 million in COVID vaccine sales in 2021. $50 billion is expected from the vaccine and Paxlovid therapeutics in 2020, 2022 alone. Compare that to the once top-selling drug, Humira, which brought in a mere $19.9 billion in 2019. Do you really think Anthony Fauci and his mafioso gang are going anywhere anytime soon? Even if they did, they would simply be replaced. Those of us looking on from the sidelines with horror have a hard time understanding how most people, and certainly those in high places, are 100% behind this tyranny and are doing all they can to ensure that it continues. Mind you, I am not saying they believe in its benevolence. That has nothing to do with it. They are behind it because either they want to be on the winning side, or they are terrified of opposing it, or both. Fauci's policies and the experimental gene therapies that he inflicted upon the masses are being lauded as the reason why we are coming out of this pandemic at last. He won Time Magazine's 2021 Person of the Year because his courage and candor have earned our trust. We are all fortunate to have a man of his wisdom, experience, and integrity to help us navigate these difficult waters. That's Time Magazine. Ugh. Fauci's father was a pharmacist in Brooklyn, New York. Fauci's mother and sister ran the front of, of the store while Anthony delivered prescriptions on his bike. The family lived upstairs in the second floor apartment. Each block in my neighborhood had the smells of rich, thick Sunday sauce and the music of Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, he said in the interview with the U.S. Her World Herald. My very best memories as a child are of a house being full with aunts, cousins, and uncles with a table of good food. Fauci had the perfectly idyllic Italian-American childhood, all while delivering life-saving drugs to families in the neighborhood. We all tell ourselves the stories of our lives. This is how we create our identities, how we decide who we are. We pluck out certain events from our past, as I have done 
for example, when weaving the stories of my childhood into these essays. We tell ourselves these stories over and over, choosing to remember them in a certain way. Without our memories, who would we be? How would we even know ourselves? Perhaps Anthony Fauci truly believes he is saving the world. Perhaps he can easily sit down at the head of the dinner table on Sundays and look around at his family with satisfaction, assured that he will leave behind a legacy as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, medical man in history. Fauci's mentor was a man named Sheldon Wolf, who gave him his first job at the NIH. Wolf encouraged Fauci to explore the things he was most curious about. The WSJ article, The Mentor Who Made Dr. Fauci, describes how Fauci chose a rare inflammatory disease with a 100% fatality rate and went searching for inspiration. He found it two floors away. NIH, NIH researchers upstairs were testing immunosuppressive drugs on cancers, and Fauci tried experimenting with low doses on his patients. It was highly unorthodox. It was also highly effective. This pioneering use of anti-cancer drugs for a non-cancerous disease was essentially its cure. I've always wanted to be involved with diseases that were very, very serious, Fauci once said. I would rather be involved with patients who have fatal diseases than those with diseases that are just an annoyance. That just happened to be my bent. I wanted to be where the action was. It is interesting to note that Fauci had this great success early on by using anti-cancer drugs for a non-cancerous disease, and he went on to repeat this with AIDS, which I will come back to later in the essay. This man who started off as an idealistic boy delivering drugs on his bicycle, who wanted to be where the action was, grew and grew beyond his critics, beyond those who dared to challenge him, learning to maneuver his way in and out of controversy, telling himself and then the world bigger and bigger stories to justify drugs, mountains of drugs representing untold wealth and power, until he stood at the very top of the vast medical complex, looking out upon a sea of humanity that he no doubt firmly believed it was his job to save. This medical empire has now grown so big that when it falls, and surely it will one day, for that is the nature of things, that they grow and they die. It will bring down our entire civilization with it. So think long and hard before calling for its downfall. For what will happen on that day is an apocalypse, a subject for another essay. Many have sought to defy the vast machine. The latest is Joe Rogan. He is perhaps the most notable example because he is just an ordinary guy, like the rest of us, who rose to fame and fortune through an insatiable curiosity and genuine interest in talking to all different kinds of people. I've heard it said with great enthusiasm that Fauci should go on the Joe Rogan experience. Wow, he should debate Dr. Malone. How great would that be? Old Fox that he is, Fauci would never fall for that. Why should he? People like Rogan and his guests are so far beneath Fauci and credibility, it would be farcical for him to stoop to their level. Rogan is a morality tale of what happens to the most defiant of sinners. He must now atone for his sins, and he has tried to do so. He started with one apology, and the floodgates opened. His apologies are growing ever sadder and more embarrassing, the latest having him defend his missteps and saying that his dedicated listeners know he's just trying to be funny. 
sorry, but that's pathetic in my book. Spotify has removed over 100 episodes of Joe Rogan's podcast, and it will not end there. The hit pieces keep on coming. Howard Stern is now telling Joe Rogan to apologize for COVID-19 misinformation and publicly endorse the vaccine. Grovel more, humiliate yourself, take that walk of shame. Come on, everyone wants to see it. You know all about MMA. Let's see the blood flow. The message is clear. We can and we will destroy anybody who dares to defy the medical empire. Fauci survived the controversies of the AIDS epidemic, and like a serial killer who leaves behind his calling card with each murder, he is repeating the same playbook. How is this possible? Because just like we learned with Andrew Cuomo, nobody goes down for the really bad stuff. Attention had to be diverted away from those embarrassing deaths of the elderly in care homes, so a parade of women surfaced with stories of his shocking behavior, such as placing unwanted kisses on the cheeks of two women, one a state trooper. The day Fauci is accused of demeaning his subordinates or being a racist or a white supremacist or a purveyor of misinformation will be the day we know he's going down. But I very much doubt that day will ever come, or my name isn't Karen, which it is. Every person is complex, and none more complex than Anthony Fauci. A professional assassin can be a loving family man and still raise his gun, look through the lens, and shoot a stranger, happily pocketing his pay afterward. How many SS guards went home to their families after herding their fellow humans into gas chambers, kissed their children goodnight, and went to church on Sundays? Thirty years ago, Dr. Robert Wilner, author of Deadly Deception and noted for his role in AIDS research, research, accused Fauci of genocide during the AIDS epidemic. Below are his words, chilling to read today. We're talking about probably the most horrible scandal and scam ever perpetrated not only in the name of science, but in humanity and all history. Today is December 7th, and I was 12 years old when the attack on Pearl Harbor came, and I remember World War II very well. And it's a very significant day today because I see an incredible parallel between what is going on in the so-called AIDS epidemic and what happened in the years preceding and resulting in World War II. The great lie of Hitler. It's amazing. I think he would envy the job being done by members of the National Institute of Health and even the media, especially in this country. And I will put the lie to the individuals of the NIH, particularly Gallo and Fauci and Hazeltine and Essex and the rest of these scoundrels of the worst order. Criminals guilty of genocide without a doubt. I invite them to take me to court. I wish Burroughs Welcome would take me to court because they have been putting out a killer drug knowingly because in a court of law, I would have the opportunity to provide the absolute proof and evidence as I have in my book, Deadly Deception. Now, I am not alone in what I'm doing here today. How does the press escape such obvious truths? Why would the finest virologist in the world, the most noted virologist, member of the National Academy of Sciences, Peter Duisberg, why would he put his entire career on the line? What did he have to gain? He's already lost his laboratory and his funding. They can't take away his professorship because he's tenured. Why would a Charles A. Thomas, professor of merit of Harvard, say the same thing? 
Why would Kerry Mullis, who won the Nobel Prize in Virology last year, why would he stick his neck out? What did he have to gain? These are the questions reporters should be asking. End of quote. And by the way, I just want to let you know, you can buy Dr. Wilner's book, Deadly Deception, but it will cost you $693.70 because it's that hard to find. What Burroughs Welcome did that so incensed Dr. Wilner is oddly similar to what Merck did by destroying ivermectin's reputation in favor of its new Molnupiravir antivirus pill. You can learn more in my essay, The People's Medicine versus Merck's Billion Dollar Pill. Reflect back on what I told you about Fauci's first big success, pioneering use of anti-cancer drugs for a non-cancerous disease that turned out to be essentially its cure. Burroughs Welcome took an old cancer drug that hadn't worked out very well, AZT or azadothamidine, and repurposed it for AIDS. In 1987, Welcome obtained FDA approval to market the drug after a rushed and bogus trial. But no matter, this was an emergency and something was better than nothing. The company called the new drug Retrovir and sold it for $188 for 100, for, for 100 milligram capsules. The price was so high, most people could not afford it. A hundred times worse than Welcome's price gouging were the side effects of AZT, including severe intestinal problems, damage to the immune system, nausea, vomiting, and headaches. People taking AZT soon began showing rising virus levels, but the virus was no longer the same, having mutated to resist the drug. More drugs were needed. And I'm just interjecting here. This essay was written months ago, but compare that now to what's happening with COVID and also with monkeypox. More and more drugs, endlessly more drugs. And as we now see with drug companies like Pfizer and Moderna, once Burroughs Welcome's drug was approved, as described in Celia Farber's Spin 2015 article, AIDS and the AZT Scandal, big profits ensued. And I quote Celia Farber's uh, article. Stock went through the roof when the announcement was made at a price of $8,000 per patient per year, not including blood work and transfusions. AZT is the most expensive drug ever marketed. Burroughs Welcome's gross profits for next year are estimated to be $230 million. Stock market analysts predict that Burroughs Welcome may be selling as much as $2 billion worth of AZT under the brand name Retrovir each year by the mid-1990s, matching Burroughs Welcome's total sales for all of its products last year. As now, with people being bullied and fear-mongered into taking an experimental gene therapy, COVID vaccine, Jean Fedorko, president of health education AIDS liaison, Farber described the same methods used on AIDS patients, and I quote him, I think it's horrible the way people are bullied by their doctors to take this drug. We get people coming to us shaking and crying because their doctor said they'll die if they don't take AZT. That is an absolute lie. I'm convinced that if you gave AZT to a perfectly healthy athlete, says Fedorko, 
he would be dead in five years. These words of Fedorko come back to haunt us when we look at what is happening to so many athletes who have taken the mRNA vaccines. Here is a list of 17 high-level athletes who have collapsed, had heart issues, or died. And you can look at that list on my essay. This is just one list. There are many others. Deaths matter little when that much money is involved. The flow cannot be stopped. The fountainhead, the impetus that keeps it all flowing is Dr. Fauci. As head of NIAID, Fauci controls more than $6 billion in funding for scientific research. For decades, Fauci has been the mastermind behind the decisions on which direction medical research should go. With a yay or a nay, Fauci decides who gets money for what research and who doesn't. It is thanks to Fauci that Retrovir was funded, just as it was thanks to Fauci that the mRNA vaccines were funded. Celia Faber interviewed PCR inventor Carrie Mullis in a Spin 1995 story who had this to say about Fauci and his gang. What ABC needs to do, says Mullis, is talk to Chairman of the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Dr. Anthony Fauci, and Dr. Robert Gallo, one of the discoverers of HIV, and show that they are assholes, which I could do in 10 minutes. But, I point out, Gallo would refuse to discuss the HIV debate, just as he always has done. I know he will, Mullis shoots back, anger rising in his voice. But you know what? I would be willing to chase that little bastard from his car to his office and say, this is Carrie Mullis trying to ask you a goddamn simple question and let the cameras follow. If people think I'm a crazy person, that's okay. But here's a Nobel Prize winner trying to ask a simple question from those who spent $22 billion and killed 100,000 people. It has to be on TV. It's a visual thing. I'm not unwilling to do something like that. He pauses, then continues. And I don't care about making an ass of myself because most people realize I am one. Personally, I want to see those fuckers pay for it a little bit. I want to see them lose their position. I want to see their goddamn children have to go to junior college. I mean, who do we care about? Do we care about these people that are HIV positive whose lives have been ruined? Those are the people I'm the most concerned about. Every night I think about this. End of quote. Going back to why Fauci will never talk to Joe Rogan, we have the answer right here, told to us in 1995 by Carrie Mullis. Fauci will never allow his carefully crafted facade to slip by exposing himself to the hard questions. In the first chapter of Inventing the AIDS Virus by Dr. Peter Duisberg, he had this to say, The colossal failure of the war on AIDS is a predictable consequence of scientists' if scientists are operating from a fundamentally flawed assumption upon which they have built a huge artifice of mistaken ideas. The single flaw that determined the destiny of AIDS research since 1984 was the assumption that AIDS is infectious. After taking this wrong turn, scientists had to make many more bad assumptions upon which they have built a huge artifice of mistaken ideas. The only solution is to rethink the basic assumption that AIDS is infectious and is caused by HIV. But the federal and industrial downpour of funding has created an army of HIV AIDS experts that includes scientists, journalists, and activists who cannot afford to question the direction of their crusade. 
Thousands compete for a bigger slice of AIDS funding and AIDS publicity by producing ever more of the same science than the competition. In that climate, rethinking the basics could be fatal to the livelihood and prosperity of thousands. End of quote. It's a cutthroat game hunting viruses. Creating this COVID pandemic was the creme de la creme. It has opened the door to more and more drugs, vaccines, implants under our skin, the introduction of a social credit system, and so much more. Far from returning to normal, as they are trying to claim, the media has recently been inundating us with warnings about the next virus or variant. The hype is that this surge in acquired immune deficiency is not the drugs, but it has something to do with HIV. Dr. Robert Wilner, and I quote, We have known what causes acquired immune deficiency diseases for at least 70 years. It's in the medical textbooks. It's there for you to read. The number one cause on the face of this earth is malnutrition and starvation. That's Africa. Look to the headlines of the October 3rd issue of the London Times, Sunday Times, last year, 1993. This is a quote from 1993. And inside headlines that screamed across two pages, the plague that never was. Number two reason is drugs. And don't think of street drugs because the number one cause of AIDS today is actually two medical drugs, AZT, a drug that was discovered in the 60s as a chemotherapeutic drug for cancer and was shelved because it was too toxic to treat cancer. A drug worse than cancer is being used to treat people who are immune suppressed. How insane is that? Number three cause of AIDS is radiation, whether they worry about Chernobyl and Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Number four is chemotherapy. Dr. Duisberg warned that science took a wrong turn with AIDS. And I quote again, if biomedical science has erred, if AIDS is not caused by a virus, then the entire medical and public health approach to the syndrome is misdirected. People are not being warned about the true risks for developing AIDS. Doctors are using ineffective or dangerous treatments and public fear is being exploited. How could a whole new generation of more than 100,000 AIDS experts, including medical doctors, virologists, immunologists, cancer researchers, pharmacologists, and epidemiologists, including more than half a dozen Nobel laureates, be wrong? How could the scientific world that so freely exchanges all information from every corner of this planet have missed an alternative explanation for AIDS? End of quote. Dr. Duisberg seemed to believe that the tide would turn, that surely science would redirect itself and become honest again. It did not. We are still on this mad path of chasing viruses, of being where the action is, according to Dr. Fauci. It has proved to be too lucrative and the public too gullible. Why stop? Fauci has told us the story, and he is the master storyteller. The majority nods and says, ah, yes, it must be so. What happens next time? What if we are told we must now get vaccinated against HIV? Or, as we see, (laughs) monkeypox. It doesn't have to be that, of course. It could be something else. What happens if we are ordered to get an mRNA vaccine every year against COVID and against the flu, as we are? 
against a new strain of smallpox, that would be monkeypox, and against the next illness and the next. Like Rogan's apology, once billions of people submitted to the first one, it's virtually impossible to stop the next and the next. No matter how cocky or tough, diminutive Fauci will avoid your punches and get you to submit instead. Moderna is being is beginning to try a trial of an mRNA vaccine for HIV. The race is on. I can just see those CEOs rubbing their hands together with glee. So much to do, so much more money to be made. Stories are popping up about who discovering a high re, a highly very virulent variant. That's a hard one to say of HIV one circulating in the Netherlands. But don't worry, it poses no risk to the general public. Then why are we seeing stories like this all over the news? We've learned to look out for such stories, the ones that MSM repeats across all platforms in an orchestrated fashion. It doesn't happen by chance. Articles published outside of the accepted narrative are quickly discredited and discarded. One such article was published by a group of medical scientists in India in the medical science journal BioRxiv in January 2020 entitled Uncanny Similarity of Unique Inserts in the 2019 N-COVID Spike Protein to HIV-1 and GAG. Whatever that means. In the highly controversial finding they reported, and I explain what it means, we found four insertions in the spike glycoprotein S, which are unique to the 2019 COVID and are not present in other coronaviruses. More importantly, amino acid residues in all four inserts have identity or similarity to those in the HIV-1, GP-120, or HIV gag, all of which have identity, similarity to amino acid residues in key structural proteins of HIV-1 is unlikely to be fortuitous in nature. End of quote. The article almost immediately was withdrawn after disinformation experts recognized the Indian medical scientists were suggesting that COVID-19 was created by inserting the particular glycoprotein from the HIV-1 disease that involved patents held by or applied for by Fauci. Please pay attention to this. I'm inserting this, readers. I, I wrote this months ago, and now we are seeing there, there is a connection to HIV here, HIV here with everything. I am quite sure of it. I'm not sure completely. I'm not a scientist, but I have a good mind, and I try to use it. Even more upsetting to disinformation operatives was a suggestion that the insertion of these four inserts into a SARS virus is not likely to occur in nature. The clear suggestion was that COVID-19 was laboratory created, possibly as a bioweapon, and that the creator of the virus used GP120 to do so, a glycoprotein from the HIV-1 1990s era that tied back to Fauci. Such fringe articles are overshadowed by mainstream articles nudging HIV into people's consciousness and encouraging them to get tested for it. One of the oddest examples I have seen was of UK MP Maria Caulfield, who put up a video on Twitter during HIV testing week of her getting an HIV test. She warns her constituents that viruses don't discriminate 
anyone can get HIV, so I encourage anyone who hasn't yet to find out your HIV status to help achieve our goal to end HIV transmission in England by 2030. (laughs) Keep in mind, the PCR test that was used to identify HIV was once again used for COVID, the very test that the inventor Carrie Mullis warned us about. Fauci knew all of this. He knew in the 1980s that the tests were faulty. They all did back then, and they all do now. But they kept on insisting that we take these tests. I have written so much about tests, and I encourage people not to take them. Billions of people are now quite used to the process and think nothing of testing being a part of their daily lives. These tests are bringing us full circle, back to HIV, back to AIDS, back to testing for it. Long before Rogan arrived on the scene, a smear campaign was used against Carrie Mullis, the crazy inventor of the PCR test. In Celia Farber's interview, she describes, and I quote, At a recent community forum meeting in New York, a leading AIDS activist, when asked about whether Mullis shouldn't be taken seriously, answered that he should not, for he is a sexist pig. This was based on something Mullis allegedly said upon receiving the Nobel Prize, that the prize would be a great way to pick up babes. I present Mullis with this logic. And Mullis answers. They just want to show that I'm not politically correct, he says. Well, I'm not. And the reason is that I already got my money from the Swedes, right? I'm done. I'm fixed. I'm a free agent. And it is the most wonderful feeling. There is nobody on the planet that can fuck with me. And I can say exactly what I feel about any issue. And I'm going to do that. Wow. I wish there were more genuine people like this now. I admire Carrie Mullis for his honesty. I admire Joe Rogan for his honesty. He should have taken a lesson from Mullis. But who this day has any chutzpah left? In Fauci's dystopian world of obey the science or else, Fauci's patience is running thin. He has been forgiving and understanding for too long. The anti-vaccination movement must be obliterated before it gains any more momentum. Fauci recently told Stephanie Rule on MSNBC that the movement was very disturbing. He wants everyone to know that the size of the anti-vaccination movement in the U.S. is being underestimated and that he is being villainized and how stressful it is for him and his family. Poor Anthony Fauci. Yes, yes, of course, it's been stressful for him and his family, but he assures us that his work is too important for him to back down. When Kentucky Senator Rand Paul dared question him, Fauci complained, What happens when Paul gets out and accuses me of things that are completely untrue is that it kindles the crazies out there and I have threats upon my life, harassment of my family and my children with obscene phone calls because people are lying about me. The crazies? Fauci fails to recall that Rand Paul is an actual victim of violence. He and his wife were attacked by a mob of Black Lives Matter protesters outside of the 2020 Republican National Convention. Mrs. Paul was took issue with some media coverage saying activists confronted her and her husband when she retorted, No, at Politico, we were not confronted by protesters. We were circled by a hateful mob shouting vile expletives, preventing us from moving. Being swarmed by a threatening, screaming mob is violence. Fauci's wife is frightened by the threats against her family, and rightly so. I am sure, however, 
When talking about her safety concerns, neither she nor Fauci gets the irony of what she said. I don't understand the hate that people have and the hate that leads them to do something that could hurt somebody or kill somebody. It sort of reduces my trust in humanity. End of quote. What could possibly lead anyone to hurt or kill somebody else? I don't know. Fame? Fortune? Power? Clearly, Dr. Fauci's wife has her own stories, she tells herself, just as her husband does, just as we all do. I am sure she believes that she and her husband are the victims here, not the millions of people whose lives have been destroyed by Fauci's policies and the drugs he has forced upon them. The Fauci's could not smile so happily at family gatherings otherwise. Recently, Senator Ron Johnson moderated a panel discussion, COVID-19, A Second Opinion, where a group of world-renowned doctors and medical experts provide a different perspective on the global pandemic response, the current state of knowledge of early and hospital treatment, vaccine efficacy and safety, what went right, what went wrong, what should have be done now, and what needs to be addressed long-term. Ohio attorney Thomas Renz presented shocking data leaked from a DOD whistleblower, and I quote from his presentation. Substantial data showing miscarriages increased by over 279% since the COVID-19 vaccine. The data was compared to a five-year average of miscarriages. Substantial data showing cancers increased by over 296% over the five-year average. An, in, an extreme increase in neurological issues since the vaccine, which would impact our pilots. The whistleblower DOD data shows a 1,048% increase of neurological cases went from 82,000 a year to 863,000 in just one year the year of the COVID-19 vaccine. Whistleblower data shows U.S. military are being experimented on, injured, and in some cases, possibly killed. Allegations of Dr. Department of Defense data on the number of cases of myocarditis. Last August, myocarditis cases were up 20 plus percent. The number in January 2022 now only shows a 2% increase. Hmm. DOD, DOD Project Salas says that the 71% of new cases were in the vaccinated and the 60% of hospitalizations comes from fully vaccinated people, not the unvaccinated, as Fauci stated on television multiple times. The DOD removed this data from their once public website when Renz first revealed it last year. We have screenshots at www.renz.law.com. Just as doctors and scientists spoke out in the 1980s about HIV AIDS, that the cure was causing the disease, they are speaking out now. Lies, all lies from dangerous anti-vaxxers, splutters Dr. Fauci. How could Fauci and his policies be so vilified when his only motivation is for the protection of the individual, of their family, and of society? Poor Dr. Fauci. One of my favorite bad guys in literature is Count Fosco from Wilkie Collins' masterpiece, The Woman in White. I love that book. I've read it more than once. Fosco is an Italian spy who is out to steal the fortune of an innocent young woman. To all outward appearances, 
Fosco is charming, charismatic, and so sensitive he wouldn't hurt a fly. On the inside, he is a murdering monster who takes delight in controlling the lives of others, especially women. Count Fosco has a talent for taming wild creatures. He keeps a family of white mice and several birds that he has proudly gotten to do his bidding. He has tamed his wife, Madame Fosco, who used to be an independent, outspoken woman and who is now an obedient servant to her husband and bases her every opinion on his advice. Count Fosco really gets off on his power, and so does Dr. Fauci. We are Fauci's mice. And yet, just like the devious Count, Fauci has managed to turn it all around so that he is the victim, and the mice who object to being put into cages and experimented on are his abusers. Poor Dr. Fauci. There are heroes who are standing up. I have quoted from members of the European Parliament, Christian Terras, Christine Anderson, and Ivan Vilibor Sinsitz, Mislav Kolakusic, MEP of Croatia, is one more who speaks fearlessly a warrior for freedom. In one speech, he talks directly to Ursula von der Leyen, president of the EU Commission in the European Parliament. Under Leyen, in April of 2021, Europe, the European Union signed what was the largest deal with Pfizer and BioNTech for 1.8 billion doses of their mRNA COVID vaccine. In the, in the last 80 years since Nazism, fundamental human rights have never been so severely violated. The right to freedom of movement, the right to work, the right to health care, the right to ban medical experiments conducted on more than 500 million people in the European Union. It is the right of every citizen to make decisions about their own health and about their own lives. We have trampled on several centuries of science and the medical profession. We are now introducing measures that have no end in sight. And that's uh, quoted from Mislav Kolakusic, MEP of Croatia. I keep quoting these MEPs because they know what they are talking about. It wasn't long ago that their countries were overrun by armies. They have experienced Nazism firsthand, the iron fist of communism. Dr. Anthony Fauci and his mafioso gang have built a medical empire of tyranny, the likes of which the world has never known. It has no signs of collapsing, quite the contrary. Yet within that empire, there are countless, decent, ordinary people who want freedom and will surely fight for it to the end. That is what the human spirit is all about. We cannot lose that spirit. I started with Agatha Christie and her wonderful book, Destination Unknown, and I will end with her. I love her books. No matter how wildly unbelievable the plots might be, it is easy to suspend one's disbelief because she creates such believable worlds and such wonderfully colorful and eccentric characters. And she speaks of underlying truths that never change. And I quote her, Why do you decry the world we live in? There are good people in it. Isn't muddle a better breeding ground for kindliness and individuality than a world order that's imposed? A world order that may be right today and wrong tomorrow? I would rather have a world of kindly, faulty human beings than a world of superior robots who said goodbye to pity and understanding and sympathy. And again, 
Agatha Christie, Destination Unknown. Thank you for listening to my essay. Very, It's amazing to me to look back on these essays that I wrote months ago and see them being played out today. Wow, incredible. God bless you all.